Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. How exciting. We are back again. Welcome to Style and Substance Podcast. And welcome to season three. Can't believe it's season three already. Season three. I know, it's nuts, isn't it? So we thought we'd come out the gates with uh, something juicy, I think. Always like something juicy, don't we? <laughs> so what are we talking about today, dear Fee? We are talking about scaling sustainably, which is something that is really close to, I think, both of our hearts. There's a lot of noise around this, a lot of pressure to grow. Wow, there's a lot of pressure as well to keep the wheels on the bus for a lot of businesses. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's ripe time to be talking about scaling, what it means, should you do it, how do you do it, what does it mean to do it sustainably as well from our point of view. That's the key thing, isn't it, for us. I think that we're both advocates of doing what you love, creating a really profitable, long-term sustainable business, and we'll dig into that in a minute. But but it's in the right way, isn't it? Yeah, sustainability means building something viable that you can continue to do without burnout or compromising your market position or the opportunities. Because this is really, it's the anti-burnout route, isn't it? Because anyone can scale and anyone can scale fast yeah. and anyone can scale badly, <laughs> you know. What reasons are people coming to you as a coach for wanting to scale? Yeah, if I think about a couple of key clients, actually, the primary reason for both of those businesses is they want more reach and more impact. They're so passionate about, and this is true for you too, right? They're so passionate about the message that they've got and they feel it's so important to reach a critical mass of people just because it would make so much difference for this to happen. I think it's that legacy yeah, thing. Yeah, it's the legacy thing of, you know, what they're, what they're wanting to leave behind and what they're wanting to build. But also, I think for these particular clients, both of them work in climate and sustainability. They yeah. recognise the urgency of what they're doing to people and the world. And it's timely and it's now. And I think that's the thing. The pressure to yeah. scale is because, yes, they could keep doing their own thing in their relatively localised bubble, mm-hmm. but it's not going to have... The, the potential for change, yeah, it's not going to have the impact. So then they're going, right, this needs to reach more people. Mm. And this needs to have it bang for its buck with a broader reach a, or a deeper reach. Yeah. And so that's predominantly, I think, one of the other reasons why people look at it. And and also some of those people are prepared to scale for more impact for the same profit return. Yeah. Yeah, because they're driven by purpose and impact, exactly. I guess. Exactly. So we've got scaling for, and we need to get onto this, 
the perceived profit growth. Not always the case, and that's part of scaling sustainably. Mm. Um, We've got scaling to have more impact, to bring about a deeper change Mm. or because of your sense of purpose. You're talking to a lot of people at the moment, aren't you? Are there any other reasons that your clients are wanting to scale right now? Well, they're wanting to scale because they're looking at moving out of their business eventually. So they're scaling to sell. Yeah, yeah. So and sometimes that is about managing, you know, I know when I sold my design agency, it was about managing myself out yeah. of the business because nobody wants to buy a business that is completely founded around the founder. Yes, exactly. And that's quite difficult for a lot of people who've built a business around their expertise but there are ways to scale around that. And that's where it becomes quite interesting and quite juicy. So yeah, some people are scaling to sell or to manage themselves out of the business to move on. Yeah, there's some some really good insights there into what we mean by scaling. So we're we're really saying that most people scale either because they want to get bigger projects and maybe they need a bigger team Mm -hmm. to service Mm -hmm. that. Um, They want to generate more profit Mm -hmm. or they've got a desire to bring about more change, create more impact. And it's a kind of purpose led. Or have why or just have wider reach. Wider reach. Exactly. And I think we're not saying that any one of those is any more right no. than the other? I'll- no, and it'll often be a combination depending on, you know, what what your particular definition of success is for your business and what your value drivers are. And it'll be a combination of those. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true, actually, because certainly for me, I want to I want to have more impact because I know, for example, with Colour Psychology for Brand Designers, that when more designers are working in this way, when they're able to create resonant mm. brands that lifts everybody's businesses yeah. up. Yeah. And I think it's important to say here what what scaling isn't. Um, mm. And one of the things it isn't is pivoting your business. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about growing or increasing the capacity of a business that stays as its core business, which is very different from pivoting away and doing something very different as an entrepreneur in order to make more money. Well, what we're really talking about is scaling up within your magic, aren't we? So we're building on what we talked about the end of season two in terms of really what, and that's the point, isn't it? Is that if you scale, and I want to get into what we mean by scaling sustainably, but ultimately to scale sustainably, you have to stay within your magic. You do. Your USP and your IP becomes even more critical as you scale, for sure. Yeah. So what do we mean by scaling sustainably then? Well, it's really simple. It's about building something viable that you can continue without burnout or compromising your market position and opportunities. Because you can scale very quickly and very easily in a very unsustainable way, which means you get fast growth, you get, you know, fast profit uplift, you get big bang impact and you're running yourself ragged and on your knees and if in order to sustain that you have to keep running yourself ragged at some point something's going to give and I think the the thing that we're both passionate about is we don't need to do that and the cost for that the cost to your health your well-being your family dynamic your overall business viability is too high for the potential benefits that you get from just having 
either the ego boost of having a giant business or the temporary cash flow influx of of having a sudden profit boost that said you know there's nothing to say you can't can't scale immediately and then ditch but that's kind of that's not really what we're talking about and also interesting because twice you've said profit lift but I don't know that boost in turnover always translates no profit either and exactly you know I don't think we can do this episode without very briefly this is not going to make us very popular but but perhaps it's important very briefly talking about this quite toxic culture of income boasting it's gone nuts hasn't it particularly I noticed it pre-lockdown but I particularly noticed it over lockdown yeah this boasting of I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode. Why are you using the pandemic as an excuse? <laughs> really? <laughs> not earning loads of money. Yeah. And what we mean by like whether boasting is the right term or not, but just putting the numbers, putting the amount of money that you make, putting that front and centre as the stamp of credibility, approval and and the most important thing that your business is about. So going out there going, would you like to earn six figures? It's not even six figures now, is it? What is it now? I think we're on multiple seven. Multiple seven figures. What does that mean? <laughs> so we've gone through six figures to multiple six. Great. Seven to multiple seven. I've seen time and time again that that is not sustainable. Yeah. It's not sustainable on a serving your clients basis. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable on delivering excellence and therefore getting lots of recommendations mm-hmm. so we can all charge ten thousand yeah. pounds tomorrow but whether we can deliver that level of service and be recommended repeatedly and build a sustainable business yeah is, there's a bit more to it than just your money mindset there yeah um it's not sustainable on a mental health level mm-hmm. because and again i've seen this time and again where we've flung ourselves so high up the pay scale that actually we feel completely exposed we've got total imposter syndrome like a rabbit in headlights and and if you're in the creative field it's an absolute killer for your business you know I think the key message with all of this is my credibility as someone who understands branding does not come down to how much profit I made last year No, and it shouldn't. Absolutely. And I think there's one more piece in that, just thinking about the, you know, the cost of things. It's not sustainable from a community perspective. So if you think about you as an entrepreneur and your mental health and and how that supports, if we think about that multiplied in lots of individuals, in lots of families, in lots of communities, in lots of areas when everybody's running at this thing fast pelt, the fabric of our community starts to break down because we are all so busy, so overstretched that the important things that hold us together as human beings gets lost. The care gets lost. The time with each other gets lost. The priorities of what's really important gets lost. People tapping into their own individual passions, mission, values, it's it's destructive to communities whereas if you're if you're scaling sustainably and you're thinking about the context in which you do at, do that the communities that you support the systems that you sit within you can scale in a really beneficial yeah. wholly yeah. beneficial at every level way and that for me is quite exciting 
Well, is this this is about scaling in a way that raises everyone up, isn't it? That serves yeah. your clients. That really, it feels so much more exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think if we progress this sort of, you know, why would you scale? Why would you not scale? If you're thinking about scaling, there's some really good sense checkers, I think, around that to see whether it's a good idea or not. Yeah. Because rather than taking the automatic assumption because somebody says we should or because it's a natural point in business, so we should scale, that that sense check, I think, is really valuable. So then we're starting to think about, well, what opportunities does scaling provide for me? You know, and being really granular about that. What will it mean for my clients? What will it mean for my family situation? What will it mean for my um, P&L? You know, all of those things. What are those opportunities? What does it mean for my reach? What does it mean for the quality of the work? All of that. And very importantly, what will it lose me potentially? Mm. What does scaling mean that I lose? So, for example, if one of if one of the routes to scaling is lifting yourself out of your business and becoming, I, I had this with a lot of clients actually quite a few years ago, there seemed to be a bit more of a push towards it of people recognizing that they needed to lift themselves out of their business and become the champion of their business or their message, which meant they needed to raise their profile quite a lot. Yeah. So they would come out of their business and they do, you know, we get them doing TED talks or writing a book yeah. or, yeah, yeah. And, and so when you raise your profile and you become more well-known, you're going to lose something. Yeah. You're going to gain a lot, but it's really important to look at, okay, what's the impact of that? What are you, and is it right for you? You know, you're, you're losing anonymity potentially, all of those things. If you think about that scaling at a massive level, yeah. I think it's really important to ask yourself if you're ready from a mindset point of view, I don't really like the word mindset, but from a, from a self-set point of view, you know, mind, heart, soul, are you ready to be the entrepreneur, the person, the leader that your business will need you to be? in order to scale and the chances are probably not but you need to then be asking your question okay so how do I get ready Mm. and in that gap there's there's a process you'll need to go through and part of scaling sustainably is about bridging that gap at the right time in the right way fundamentally one of the core pieces I see in a lot of entrepreneurs is they have the vision to scale and they really want to but their sense of self-worth or their sense of credibility or their sense of ownership of their expertise doesn't meet what's needed to get there. So that's actually quite a juicy self-development piece to do. And this isn't just about money mindset. Scaling sustainably happens on your time scale. So there is no great sort of barometer that says this scaling was a success and this wasn't I'm interested in that climate those two climate because there's a real pressure and I can imagine that the the risk of burnout on that is quite high because there's such a force and such a need for that right now that almost there isn't that off switch that at least if you're only chasing profit, there's a point where you're like enough. Exactly. And and I think what's really important to say in that is that scaling slowly and sustainably is painful as well. So I'm not what I'm not suggesting is that this route will always feel happy and rosy in the garden because there is a tension and there is a grief and there is a pain, particularly if I think about, you know, one of those clients who is so desperate for 
young people to be looked after and cared for and supported in the way that she knows they could be if the adults around them were properly trained and properly skilled up and able to listen and able to understand really what young people need to meet them. The daily pain of not being able to fulfill that vision is really great. So yeah. there is, and, and the same, you know, me in a, in a different context with, with not being able to scale my business, there's so much that I desperately want to do and need to do. And the pain of not realizing some of that on some days is overwhelming. And then I have to come back to what are my core values? You know, your, your choices about whether you scale or whether you're not on the pace at which you do, if they're firmly rooted in what's most important to you, and you've done the real sense checking of that, it's much easier to bear the burden of not being able to do the things overnight. Because the other thing that happens if you don't scale at the right level, if you scale too slowly, there's a cost, because then you end up with a stick to beat yourself with and you won't enjoy your successes because you're like, well, I should have done that five years ago. Mm. And that's when the sort of inner philosopher can come out and say everything in its time and you have to trust that things align and unfold in their right time and there's some work you can do to help yourself along that path. You know what all this is making me think? You know when, I reckon it was about year eight maths, when you would we were doing scale and you would draw something like a rhombus on graph paper and you wouldn't just scale in one direction. Everything grows, yes. doesn't it? And I, I know that sounds like a bit of a random thing to say, but I think when we think about scaling, we quite often think about selling more things, charging more money. But actually, when you're scaling, everything grows. Yeah. So you're dealing with a lot more than just more turnover, more yeah. clients, more throughput. Yeah, absolutely. And and to make that sustainable, you have to be looking at all of those different things that have to scale with yeah. you know, the getting more clients or the or the making more profit. If we think about some of the ways that people scale, one of the ways is through acquisition. And what you don't realise when you're acquiring a business, maybe you've probably got the commercials in place, but that you're actually, if you're buying a business lock, stock and barrel with the people incumbent, you're buying a different culture. And so in order to be able to scale that well, you have to do the due diligence to be able to integrate that that culture into yours, which means you have to be really clear about your values. You have to be really clear about roles and responsibilities. You have to be really clear about what's acceptable behavior in this brand and how do you bring people on board so that they don't feel left behind and you don't end up with all these silos that can very easily and inevitably happen when you're acquiring something. So so when you're thinking about culture, you really have to do that predefining work of what is my culture so that you can scale in alignment with that. Brill. So what are the headlines of what we'll need to be thinking about when we're scaling? Your mindset and your capacity as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Your people and the culture that you're creating. Yeah. Your processes. Yes. Your vision yeah. and your brand. Yeah. And your IP. Yeah. You know, your, your magic. Yeah. Amazing. So you and I, both in your work as a coach and and particularly my work as a creative director and also through the mentoring I do with Elevate, we both bump into a lot of brands and businesses that are ambitious for 
scaling and for growth and maybe some that have had their fingers burnt already by the experience. So I think one of the things that would be really helpful to do is to just explore some of the things that we see, that we've observed, maybe that that haven't worked, that are real flashpoints or watch points, if you like, for how not to scale sustainably. So yeah. what what kind of things do you see in your work as a coach? Okay, so one of the things I see really often is someone, a solopreneur with big ambition mm. who wants to position themselves in a certain place in the market and jumps to that point quite quickly without doing enough of their personal work so that they end up blighted with imposter syndrome. Ah, interesting. So I see that, but because of another reason, which we can come on to later, but imposter syndrome, I reckon is rife for people scaling, isn't it? Absolutely. Because if you think about an entrepreneur who is moving from a small to medium sized business and then wants to be running a much bigger enterprise, yeah. they have to step up into yeah. a bigger, a more worthy, a more grounded, a more empowered version of themselves to be able to hold that ship together. Mm. And that, that personal development work takes a bit of work and takes a bit of time. We don't just switch into, I'm the CEO of this massive brand overnight. Mm. You need to scale yourself as an entrepreneur. You know, your personal yeah. growth needs to scale in alignment with the task at hand to avoid things like lack of confidence and imposter syndrome or being overly busy. So yeah. your your skill set might need to grow. Your mindset definitely has to shift. You need to grow into or step up. So I think there's some recognition that needs to come in that, you're going to need to work on your own sense of self-worth. Mm. You're going to need to work on your skills of capacity and productivity and, ma and time management and those things that might have been easy to sort of get away with in a smaller business, but that really need to be buttoned down if you're running something at scale. Yeah, yeah. It's a real opportunity for much deeper self-awareness and looking at starting to get under the skin of some of these things that unintentionally, the beliefs, the values, the, uh, the limiting beliefs that hold us back. And this isn't just as simple as just money mindset. It's not as mm. simple as know you're worth more and just claim it. Because yeah. the reasons we're not worth more in our own minds are really complex sometimes. Mm. You know, and, and I get into the real grind of that and the silt mm. of that with a lot of my clients because some of it will you know, we're not going to get into a therapeutic space here, but some of that is around how you're perceived as a child or whether you've got any trauma that you've brought with you or mm. whether there's just a limiting belief that's just got hold at some point in your life that needs shaking out. Mm. And that work, it does take skill to navigate. So I think I think avoiding imposter syndrome is really important and you can feel an imposter in lots of levels. Yeah. You know, not just about am I, am I charging more than I'm worth, which is a, a real flashpoint for a lot of people, but, you know, can am I actually capable of managing people? Am I actually, mm. you know, do I have a right to be doing this work? There's all sorts of ways we can get triggered into that. Mm. I think one of the key things for me is having, as you grow and as you scale, and, and this can be put in place as quickly or as slowly as you want to, having that sort of scaffolding in place so that mm. as you grow, it's it's from a solid foundation at each time. So you're not just catapulting yeah. yourself forwards. And if I think about how the imposter syndrome shows up in 
in what I do, and particularly with the designers that I'll work with, what I often see is that they've taken on board some advice that they should be charging more. And over the last year, I've seen designers increase their prices, anything from fourfold to tenfold. Wow. And and what I see in that is an absolute crippling level of imposter syndrome. Right. And the way that shows up is it absolutely stifles their creativity. It stifles any confidence to make decisions, to bring a sense of vision. And so actually what I'm seeing on the other end is delivering significantly less value Mm. than than was before. And, And the reason that that has an impact commercially is because it's then very difficult to go on and recommend that experience again so what happens is you may well be charging two three four five six times what you were Mm. but have you got and this comes back to scaling sustainably have you got that steady stream of referrals recommendations inquiries in place that are prepared to invest at that level that have had that amazing experience that want to go on and refer again and and what often happens is that we can we can grow for a short time, but actually if we're interested in scaling sustainably, mm. we need to be delivering value at every yeah. turn. And yeah. we need, and you touched on this earlier, we need those processes in place to give us the confidence, but also to allow other people in our team to do that work. So that yeah. that's sort of the flip side is often will scale, will take on associates or freelancers in the case of designers often, but we haven't got the scaffolding in place to make sure that what's delivered mm. is has the magic that people have come to us for in the first place. Yeah. yeah and that, that, can, that can really feed the imposter syndrome. Yeah, it can feed the imp- imposter syndrome and it also can damage reputation. Yeah if that work isn't delivered consistently. So if we, if we think about reputation, mm. sometimes with scaling, there's a need then to, to start making more noise around your business, to start pushing products out or to start marketing more heavily or to start, you know, just, just generally making more of a buzz. And the danger with that is that we could, because there's pressure to scale fast or because we need to hit a certain number, that we can take on an aggressive approach to marketing that wasn't part of our mm. culture and the way that we presented ourselves before. And that can be quite off-putting to a previously loyal client base and also might inadvertently mean we start attracting the wrong market. So part of the thing I think to consider is in your uplift of productivity or making noise or pushing communications out there, it has to be integral to your brand voice and your brand values and be sensitive to that. And being sustainable means you're not having to hustle because if you suddenly have to do a lot more of that stuff, sustaining that over time, particularly if it's yourself and you're not outsourcing it, is difficult to do and that's a fast road to burnout. And if you're then suddenly switching and other people are delivering that messaging for you, there's a potential loss of brand integrity there if you don't manage that really well. There's a disconnect, actually. I've seen that seen that often. And what I also see, which I just want to draw out from what you said a bit more, is 
I think this particularly shows up when we're not necessarily scaling from a place of inspiration or purpose or a real vision. So we've said all along, there is nothing wrong with scaling because you want to make more money that, you know, we're all in business to make money. So having a big vision for where you want to get to, I do think your vision commercially needs to be tied in with some form of purpose or greater something greater than I want this many staff or I want this this much turnover if you want to come at this from an inspired sustainable point of view if you come at this from a place of inspiration and creativity and excellence and joy for what you do that Mm. will naturally seep out into the way that you communicate people will naturally want to work with you yeah what often happens when you're when you're finding this pressure from the income boasting approach and that that might be from being part of a specific group it might just be from the Instagram adverts that are getting into your head Mm. you know you might not have signed up to any of this but there's this perceived idea that you should be hitting a certain number we quite often flip into this lead gen style of marketing which Mm. is quite aggressive and the level of aggressive tactics that's needed that's a real drain on our vital energy isn't it and that and that I you know you've touched on this already it really does especially I think if you're creative Mm. pull you down a road to burnout because I think you tend to lose sight of why you were doing this in the first place and your whole way of measuring yourself becomes around did I sell? Did I sell? Did I sell? Yeah. And you lose that that quality of magic that comes from the inspiration. You know, we've said this before, content that really cuts through and is inspiring and moves people has some heart to it and has an inspired quality to it. Yeah. And the danger of making that just a tick box exercise of numbers you've got to hit or number of communications you've got to get out you risk losing that personal touch and that element and this I think is the biggest challenge with scaling for entrepreneurs who want to keep that heart of their magic is how do you lift yourself out of the business to the right level so that you can operate at a larger scale whilst maintaining that the brand personality the personal connection the inspiration the vitality the vibrancy of what you're offering and that is really that for me is what's so juicy about this is how do you keep the heart in your business because if the heart's in your business for yourself when you hit the tough times which you will when you're scaling because there's a lot of things to overcome Mm. and often quite quickly you need to feel that strong sense of connection to your business and and that strong sense of connection can have a flip side and mean that we we pull ourselves into micromanaging and we get stuck in the weeds of all of that stuff. And so it's a really juicy challenge. Isn't that also the point that we are talking about scaling sustainably? We're not talking about scaling at any cost. Yeah. And so if you're scaling sustainably, you have to stay in your magic. Yeah. And you have to know what, what your clients, what your market really value about you yeah. and how to maintain that feeling and that sense of value. Well, so when we think about scaling in relation to your IP, yeah. it's important to remember that you can't scale sustainably on someone else's. So no. you have to develop yours to the point at which you can maintain the integrity of that magic. Yeah. And that that's pretty obvious if you're selling 
informational services, isn't it? But I think it also applies to products because we're not just talking about scaling at any cost. We're interested in scaling businesses that are a joy to run, that feed us creatively, that that Mm. achieve all our commercial ambitions. And that means that you've got to have that edge and that point of difference and that real magic yeah. That sets you apart, but also that that makes you quite resilient yes. in the market. Yeah, so resilient in the market and resilient in yourself, because if you're still staying true to that magic and you're remembering why you were in it in the first place, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. think what people often forget is that you need to do quite a lot of work on your processes if you're scaling yes can't leave those behind and sort of catch up you need to do some anticipatory sort of thinking around well what do I need to have in place because for example if you're if you're suddenly recruiting a lot of people you need to have a process for how your communication is going to work Mm. well yeah because ultimately this comes back to in order for that scaling to be sustainable, you need to continually be able to consistently deliver a high quality of service and value for money. Mm. And there are a lot of flashpoints where that can be compromised if you don't take care of those details. Yeah. It can be compromised because your processes can't cope with the sudden influx of more clients or, or your, you know, even basic systems like invoicing and payroll and all of those kind of things don't, don't match the capacity. I'm just thinking about, you know, all of this comes back to the brand, doesn't it? If you understand what your brand is, what your magic is, what sets you apart, and you nurture relationships with your clients, mm. you can you can absolutely outsource all of that stuff as long as you've communicated. And you're making me think of, you know, I've seen some terrible examples of people outsourcing Facebook ads, and it really, really sort of conflicting mm. with what I know that brand for. Yeah. Or Instagram ads, because I don't look at Facebook ads. I think someone that pops to mind that does this quite well is Create Academy. Mm. So they, they're they a business that has scaled dramatically mm. over the last few years. And they create beautiful, really inspiring, creative courses. So garden design, interior design, food. Mm. Um, I've just done one on, on upholstery. Mm. I know, it's brilliant, but they, you know, I know what I'm getting with the Create Academy course. Yes. They are very clear on what their offering is, who their market is, what kind of teachers they get on board. They've got a really good sense. Um, they did a great questionnaire a couple of years ago where they asked for our feedback on what we wanted and they mm-hmm. they really listened. And And actually every single ad I see, whether it's on Pinterest or Instagram, looks like it's come from them. Nothing's overly aggressive because that doesn't suit what they're selling. It's just it's just nice. And I think you can you can scale without having to hustle. Yes. And if you want to do it sustainably, you have to scale without hustling. Yeah, I think that's essential because otherwise that's a fast route to burnout. And just on that kind of sort of picking up finally on what happens when you fling yourself so high up the pay scale Mm. scaling I think the key thing is that 
you always want to be looking at value for money. So mm. what value for money am I offering? Yeah. And if you're finding that your pricing is out of step yeah. with what you know you're worth, make sure it's what you know you're worth rather than what someone else has told you everyone else is charging. Yeah. Because what I see as someone that commissions a huge amount of design work is a lot of prices in the design industry are significantly inflated at the moment. Right, yeah. And so just because someone's telling you that someone else is charging X amount of money mm. doesn't mean that they have a sustainable business. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's about trusting your instincts of of what you know you're worth, what you're comfortable charging, what the market will bear. Mm. And as you raise your pricing, making sure that at every stage you're delivering value so that you're building your confidence yes. rather than shattering it. Yeah. And what happens when we when we increase our prices threefold or sixfold or tenfold mm. is it absolutely annihilates confidence. Yeah. And that is, like you say, that is much more than money mindset. Yeah, because, and I think the recognition there is, yes, you may want to get to a certain price level, but if maintaining the integrity of your product or service is what's really important and you want to avoid this confidence sap and this imposter syndrome, the work on lifting yourself and your your sense of personal worth and value in alignment. So this thing about charge what you're comfortable charging. So if you want to uplift your prices, there's there's a sort of sweet spot of a price that feels just that little bit motivating and inspirational mm. for you without triggering imposter syndrome. Yes. And you don't have to jump to that endpoint straight away. You know, you mm. raise it and then you know, we've done this a lot with the brand stylist over the years, haven't we? And, and all of your work is like you you set your prices with what you think is fair, good value and matches the level of what you're delivering. And then as your competency and your skills have grown and you're delivering more, then you uplift and, and you you don't get that friction, that tension between am I actually worth this? Because you believe that because you've got the evidence mm-hmm. of it. So you can you scale your pricing as you go. I'm thinking about, you know, really good examples of businesses who've done this, who haven't compromised on their magic. So I'm Mm. thinking about old clients and lovely friends of mine who run the Natural Deo Co. So this is a brand of natural deodorant that came out quite early on in the market. So they were really good pioneers in that before you've got hundreds of Mm. deodorant brands now. But these guys came out quite early and they were really good. I really, I mean, I use a natural deodorant. I really have struggled to find a decent one that works that mm. can keep up with my gym regime. And when when Laurie sent me a sample of the natural Dio when it was originally in testing, I was like, oh my goodness, this <laughs> actually works. You know, and they've just like, they, you know they've won awards with Glamour magazines for the natural deodorant that actually works. Because for those yeah. of you who use natural deodorant, some of them don't. Yeah. Um, and they scaled brilliantly because they were originally, you know, they they created this product at home. It was a homegrown business. Mm. and they they had a a very sweet great little brand to bring that out to market they started getting a lot more demand and they needed to out they needed to manufacture at scale Mm. so they moved their manufacturing and you know 
created this great warehouse and they're doing it at scale. But what they didn't compromise on was the quality of the product because in the cosmetics industry, you can cut a lot of corners actually and and replace things and you can, but they knew that to maintain the integrity of that product and to do it at scale, it would have to cost a certain amount. And then they invested in their brand and up leveling their brand to meet Mm -hmm. that. And then they invested in their processes and their people to make sure that there were the right people making the product and marketing the product. And they have consistently kept it as being, you know, very friendly, very approachable. Mm. And and they've done that really well. And they're all over the place now, you know, yeah. they're, in, they're in loads of the major stores and they're doing really well. On that manufacturing point as well, what we also, I mean, this, I guess our focus as when we're talking about scaling sustainably is going to be on, is your business a joy to run? Is yeah. it not causing you burnout? That kind of thing. But we also need to consider we're just taking the commercials for granted but that is a real sticking point isn't it when people scale yeah so thinking about that manufacturing piece if you're moving from a place where you're producing your product in-house and then because of excess demand or what have you and customers knocking on your door you then have to outsource to manufacturing it can be very easy just to jump into that Mm. Um, and even if you've maintained your magic or what have you but if you haven't run the commercials and looked at the numbers of well what does this now cost me to manufacture Mm. am I still make you know what was a very viable profit margin before can suddenly shrink quite dramatically and you may find you end up running a brilliant business meeting the demand of all these customers coming in and you're shipping loads of units through what you're doing but when you actually look at the bottom line there's yeah. not a lot of uplift particularly if you've also invested in advertising and yes. copywriters and all that other stuff yeah. to, to get that uplift so then you just end up being a busy fool mm. with not with a with a profit uplift that isn't proportional to the amount of extra work and the hassle that you're having to do yeah. to now maintain this beer myth and I think that's mm. the thing it's it's being quite strategic and looking at, you know, in order to do this, does the does the increased effort involved and the role that I now have to take in my business justify the margin yeah. that I'm making? Yeah. Because quite often you'll go from, um, you know, if you're a homemaker, designer, creative, and you're hands-on on that product and then you outsource to manufacturing, you then become a manager and that's your job. Mm. And actually yeah. if your love is in the creative you've lost your reason, your raison d'etre, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a definite cost to that. And and very briefly on that also, it's just worth bearing in mind that if you have been caught up in that income boasting narrative, mm. it's worth bearing in mind that, that generally they're talking about turnover, not profit. Yeah. And the profit generally from what I've seen and I think from what you've seen doesn't translate not always no 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 yeah so I think it's about when we scale there is a cost you know Mm. and and we need to look very carefully at what we're losing as we scale are we losing? are we losing the heart of what we're in business for initially are we giving ourselves a load more problems than we necessarily needed I mean it's interesting thinking about you know the brand stylist and moving from the agency before it's like from externally it looked like a downscale when you went from running a big agency to working on your own yeah yeah from a little corner of my family room (laughs) you know having an office in Guildford with staff to yeah yeah, me on my own but what you managed to do was remove a load of 
hassle and the heavy lifting that you had to do in running that business and all the pressure of keeping the doors open and the heating on and all of that stuff and managing all the people, you you made something that was very nimble and very streamlined that from this position of working to your magic, you've been able to scale really well. Yeah, and I think that's the key point with me. What I've done wouldn't work for everybody. And and actually the reverse of what I've done is a lot of people's dreams Mm. and... And would work better for some people. I think what I learned a little later than ideally I would have done was that the big overheads and the, the big team are not what brings out the best in me. No, it's not the pressure that you need. You it's know. not. Whereas some people, that's really, really motivating. Mm. You know, yeah. that that whole managing the numbers, squeezing every drop of profit out of things and cutting the costs and all of that can be a real joy for some people Mm. whereas I I want to get on with the creative I want to do the vision piece and And even the joy of having a team around you know some people absolutely thrive on that yeah who was I talking about oh yeah I had I was talking to a friend who had a an account a big accountancy firm which she sold Mm. and she was saying to me like do you miss the team? And I was like, no. I mean, <laughs> they were lovely people, As don't people. get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, I'm really motivated. I like to get down to my desk and just crack on. Mm. And I don't want to be having chats by the water cooler with people. Yeah. Um, but she really did. She really misses yeah. that buzz of a team. She doesn't want to work on her own. Yeah. So it's there is no one way yeah. to scale, to run a business. And and that sort of leads me on to this idea of, well, really steering your own ship and and why people scale in the first place. So you, you talked, I think, about market pull, you know, that you, you there might be such a demand for what you're doing mm. that it kind of builds this life of its own. Yeah. We've talked about the climate activists and mm. that sort of very visceral need to to have this reach now because it's Mm. really urgent we've Mm. talked about that that sense of um, vision or a desire to create more wealth yeah yeah and that desire for more wealth might come from any number of places it might be that you want to leave a legacy it might be that you want to create a family business that you can then pass on Mm. or it might be that you just at a time of life where maybe your your window for running a business and working on your own mm. is closing yeah and you need to be able to get you get something banked for the future yeah. you know, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. reasons to do this I work with a lot mm. of people in their 50s who are going right I've got I've got 15 years or I've got 10 years mm. and I want to make that really count yeah so that I can be comfortable. My family can be comfortable. I've made a significant difference. I can, I can sort of go out of my working days feeling like I have really achieved something meaningful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's a real joy and a real potential. So thinking about it, some people, you know, if you take the flip side of that, um, some people haven't even considered scaling who mm. might want yeah. to. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like, well... Is there more potential in you? Is there more opportunity to mm. do good work? And I think the, I think just just inviting that question of yourself is like, oh well, maybe what? Without the pressure of 
you must achieve your potential and that whole growth thing for the sake of growth. Mm. You know, what really excites me is people really leaning into the possibility of what's possible for them. You know, really mm. going, well, if I was to if I was to really go for life, if I was to really go for business, what could that look like? Yeah, and, exciting. And then the juice of that, the getting underneath the limiting beliefs that hold us back, because that's where and that's where this whole money mindset comes in is is quite often people avoid asking those questions because they think you know actually I'm not worth that I can't I can't mm. do that I'm not as good as I think I am mm. all of the clients I work with are exemplary at what yeah. they do yeah and, and I only work with people who are exemplary at what they do because mm. I I need to be able to hold that light for them when they forget it and I cannot mm. blow smoke up somebody's backside if I don't <laughs> <make> it. <laughs> yeah know? so I can very comfortably say no fee this mm. course is worth a load of money and yeah, it's, yeah. You know, delivering really good value or you know if someone's coming to me with a with a book project and going oh I don't know whether I should write this mm. or well let me have a look at this first draft and like this is really good stuff yeah and who are you to think that the world does not deserve that yeah you know, so I think there's I think there's real potential if you haven't been thinking about scaling or if you haven't been thinking about growing into your potential what could be possible if you did yeah exciting. yeah exciting no really exciting and if we're to just wrap this up in a nutshell and think about what is it you need to be thinking about if you want to scale from a, a place of sustainability I guess everything you said at the start you know balancing those two things of really working within your magic so thinking about your IP thinking about what sets you apart, delivering excellence, shoring all of that up with processes so that you make sure that you can deliver that same level of what people have come to expect, but also that it's able to be replicated across yeah. a team, whether that's employed direct or freelancers. And then the other side to that is making sure that you do it in a way that doesn't burn you out. Yeah. So that, again, that comes back to your magic. That comes back to knowing your brand. It's about communicating and and enthusing about your business from a place of real inspiration and vitality and flow and creativity mm-hmm. rather than hustle and lead gen and force I guess and I guess this comes back to that theme in your book about you are going to have to work hard but it doesn't need to feel like hard work along the way yeah it's it's flow not force we're going to yeah this yeah, and I, and I think what's important to really hold in mind is why you're doing it. You know, why do you want to scale? And is yeah. it right for you right now? And who do you need to be in order to do that effectively so that it is more flow and less force? And so that it's a joy. Yeah, it's all about creating a business that works for you, isn't it? It's about creating a business that is a joy to run, not scaling at any cost exciting very exciting let us know how you get on yeah do thank you so much for tuning in to style and substance we really hope you've enjoyed the show you can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. 
You can like and subscribe, as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.